Fora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios, hanging out with you where sports truly meets that thing called life. We appreciate you being here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And I am honored and privileged to have all the wonderful guests we've had here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, and one of them being a friend of mine, Terrence Roberts. I got to watch him growing up, loved going to the games with my dad, seeing T-Rob go out there and just wreak some havoc. And now, you know, to be able to call him a friend and talk to him and have him here on the show is a true blessing. So with that being said, inside the Cafe Kubal Studios, we welcome Syracuse Orange basketball alum Terrence Roberts. Terrence, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, Dan. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. And, and happy to have you here, West Coast. I got to ask you, I know I asked you this off the air, but Pat Orr, who people heard from in hour number one, the uh, owner of PB&J's Lunchbox on 6630 Liverpool Road in Liverpool, New York, she said to me, she's like, you asked Terrence if he does anything other than ride that dang bike. And I said, listen, that man is living his life. So, I, I you know, so let's let's get into it, man. How much have you been riding? Because you told me it's, it's cold out in Cali, but I don't want you to tell people the temperatures because they're going to lash out if you tell them how cold it is because it's, it's about 30 degrees warmer than it is in Syracuse. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I've been I've been riding a lot. Uh, it, it's race season now. Race season just started, so I try to get a lot of miles. And if I if it's too Cali cold out here, then I'll just hop on a bike in the house and just ride the trainer for maybe an hour or two until the floor is completely soaked or something like that. <laughs> so, I mean, you and I talked about this. You know, you got into this. What? Why? To those who don't know, why did you get into riding? Was it always a part of you to become a part of you? Is it is it the competitor in you saying like I want to stay healthy and I'm done playing basketball and I want to do something else? I mean, where where did this kind of journey happen for you that you really wanted to make this a part of your life and a big part of your life? Well, I think it's a little bit of all of it. I I love being super competitive. I love to be told, you know. Everybody used to tell me, oh, man, you're too big to ride a bike. You're definitely too big to race a road bike. So I kind of got into it after that and for those reasons. And then once the pandemic hit, once the pandemic hit, uh, I went from – I was mountain biking initially, doing a lot of stuff on mountain biking. I was able to keep up with a bunch of road cyclists one day just riding around and, and just invited me to do some more rides, even though I didn't have a road bike. And the next thing you know, it was just like, nah, I'm sick of getting my butt kicked by these guys on this road bike on his road bike so I just went and got one there was no turning back from there I'm a speed I'm a speed demon so and an adrenaline junkie so all of the all of the, the thrills I get from it are it's very similar similar from what I got from basketball so like you said people you know when somebody told you you can't you're like all right man so I'm gonna go out there and I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it better than anybody where were you when you started riding and where are you now in your opinion started riding it was I had no like I just thought it was riding you know I thought it was like all natural ability and it was going to be easy like basketball to kind of pick up if you put the work in but no there's a lot there's a lot you got to learn and it's forever evolving and you have to evolve with it or you'll be ancient you'll be ancient in this sport in no time so um I think if I can scale it on the one to ten I was like when I started, I was I probably started out like a three, four. I pr- probably at like an eight right now. Yeah, and that's I mean, and that's that's a great. Th- you said you're an eight. How do you get to a ten? Do you think you'll get to a ten? Uh, no, I don't. 
No, I think the younger guys kind of, they, they can get to 10. I kind of came in after my prime, so it's a lot harder to get to that 10. You know, those, your endurance, your endurance on that bike really has a lot to do with how old you are. <laughs> <laughs> and how long and how long you've been riding so you know I, I, i've been at road cycling for coming up on three years now and i didn't start taking it serious until the pandemic but you know i, I gained a lot of ground but it, it's hard to kind of get past certain certain points where you're just like oh might be as good as the pros but a lot of the pros are in their early 20s and stuff like that with 19 years of experience behind them so it's tough i think those guys can get to 10 it's easy for those guys to get to 10 guys like guys like me kind of peak around eight nines (laughs) and coming from syracuse orange basketball alum terrence roberts road cyclist of the last few years here is the important question if you were in the if you were in Fast and the Furious, what one they're on? Uh, I think it's Fast and the Furious ninety two. That's the one they're on. Mm-hmm. And so, if you were in the ninety second installment of the Fast and Furious, if you're in that movie today, and Vin Diesel, The Rock, everybody, Jason Statham, everybody's involved, and you're in a chase, and they're in cars and helicopters and tanks and all that stuff that they have, and you're riding the bike, how <laughs> successful? do you think you could be at dodging bullets, traffic, and Vin Diesel on the bike? Um, bullets, I have no shot. No <laughs> shot <with> bullets. <laughs> bullets, we have no shot. But cars and people, very high chance. Okay, okay. I, I can turn and maneuver my bike probably faster and better than cars can okay. at a moment's notice. So, <laughs> I love that. Bullets, no shot. People, cars, I got it. So I like it. I respect it. Listen, if it was a if it was a stormtrooper from Star Wars, they never shoot right. So I think you could probably dodge all of that because they're terrible shots. But so let's let's get into let's get into you know we talked about cycling, Terrence. Let's get into an easier subject to talk about that people don't get emotion about emotional about uh, Jim Beheim. And so as so as as we do that. And I jokingly but seriously said to Tyler Lydon a few minutes ago, Tyler, he's either trending on Twitter every day or every other day. He's trending right now. So I would love, we're going to talk a lot of pieces of this. We're going to break it down because I know, Terrence, that, that you know, you're very open and honest about your thoughts, and I appreciate that, and so am I. So we're going to have a very open conversation about this. Let's broad scope it before we get specific. How do you feel about the fact that almost every human being on planet Earth has an opinion of Jim Beheim? Uh, I mean, it's an opinion-based society we live in, so that's not a, that's not a shocker at all. It, it was like that back when I was in school, so you either love them or you hate them, so. And what's been news recently which i think news is a very loose title but what news has been which to me is ridiculous i was in the room in the press conference and the last the last game they had when somebody asked about benny williams now i told my buddy i said listen we're gonna go on the press conference they're gonna ask about benny williams i know it i know it's gonna happen i'm not gonna ask it but i know it's gonna happen i know somebody's gonna lose their mind over it so benny didn't play in the game and Jim had said, I'm going to address it after the game, whatever. 
So it's the it's not a question. It was the first question. Now I've had people ask me in state, out of state, what do you think about Jim Beheim's reaction? Do you think he should, you know, uh, how, how do? You? And I'm like, listen, Jim Beheim has rea- has been reacting to the media with an ornery kind of sarcastic, snarky back and forth for 47 years. This is who he is, Jim Beheim, right? When you get a doctor and he comes in the room and you know the bedside manner, that's his bedside manner, right, wrong, or indifferent. That's who he is. Now the question that was asked was immediate. It was the first question. Jim and Syracuse just lost to Virginia, sixth team rank in the country, by five points. He wanted to talk about the game. I know that the media has a problem with talking to coaches about the game during the game because they would rather talk to him about that one time where he did something when he was 14 years old. But he wanted to talk about the game, and I respect that he wanted to talk about the game. Now, would I have the same personality as Jim Beheim at the podium? No. Would I be frustrated coming off that game and saying, hey, I want to talk about the game, guys. Where's Benny? Well, it's And I, and this is what I would have said. Do you care about Benny? Are you asking me where Benny is because you care about his health, his well-being? Are you asking me because you want to write a story about how I'm a bad coach and I'm losing my recruits? Or do you want to ask me about Benny Williams because you care about Benny Williams and his family and what's going on in his life? Because the answer is not the, it's not the latter, it's the former. You're asking me about Benny Williams because it's dramatic. You want to write something. You want to tell people, I suck as a coach. I've lost touch with my team. You want to flip out on me. So he responded to this reporter, who was a young kid. He responded to the reporter, and he didn't swear. He didn't yell. He said, is that your question? That's really your question. That's the best you got for me. I don't like your attitude. <laughs> I don't think he said anything wrong. Now, the media, like you said, society has gotten soft. If World War II happened today, we'd probably be speaking German. So we got we got soft as a country. We are soft, okay? We're babies. We're just ridiculous. And the funny thing about the people that complain the most about bullying, they're the bullies. Now, again... I know the media. I have spent many years with them, 19 plus years of being a broadcaster and a writer. So I think it's hilarious that people in the media, not everybody, but some people in the media that are bullies are saying, Jim Beheim shouldn't bully. I'm the only bully. I should be able to bully. But they're, they're parading as good people in society when I know that they've threatened to punch people in the face. They've tried to scare people out of, of having a job. I know the players that are the bullies. I know those people. And those are the people that lash out at Jim Beheim for bullying when they're the bullies. I don't think Beheim did anything bad in giving his thought that I don't really want to talk about this right now. I also think Jim Beheim's answered questions like that for 40, you know, for well, as long as I've known him for over a decade. So I don't understand the media frenzy over this time that he did it when he does it all the time. I don't understand knowing that there are people in that media room that will smirk when they ask him a question because they want to fight with him. And I also know the people that have tried to bully me and other people that got on and talked about it and said, Jim Beheim should retire. He's a bully. And I was like, bro, it takes one to know one, honey. And you definitely are one. So I know I threw a lot at you, but how do you respond to the media when they bully him, they bully each other, they don't tell the truth, they fight with him, they bait him, and now everybody wants him to quit his job. I mean, everybody's been wanting him to quit his job since I was in school. 
<laughs> so it's like that, that's not that's not that's not nothing new. But I mean, he could care less about the media. Man, man's been there so many years. Half the people, half of the people that do the media were in pampers when he started. So it's, yeah, if not not even thought about. Like, so he could really care. He could really care less, and he should continue to care less. He answered answer the question the way he wants to answer the questions, and if you don't like it, I mean. Find something else to write about. <laughs> That's all it is. He just, he just doesn't. He really just doesn't care. He he doesn't care how you feel about him. And at this point in his career, why should he? You know, it's if you want to call him a bully because he expresses himself probably more than uh, a writer or a analyst can publicly. Then you know, get to where he is, and then you can complain. But they don't look at they don't look at it like that, and they, I think a lot of people they really don't understand that he could he could care less about what the media thinks about him at this point, you know. Syracuse Orange men's basketball. I'm Terrence Roberts here live this morning. Wake up call with Dan Tortora inside of the Cafe Kubal Studios. To the point of a bully in the media calling a bully a bully and telling him to stop bullying. You've been you know through this. You've had media that takes your words and uses your words as you say them and you have media that takes your words and puts them in a grinder and it comes out something totally different it's like playing telephone game terrence roberts says i like jim Beheim," and it comes out i'm not a big fan of a giraffe i mean it's it's not even close sometimes what you say so how do you respond to the to some media bullies that said jim Beheim's a bully i don't like that when you know they themselves are also bullying people out there I mean, personally, with me, when I got into it with with certain media people, I just like I just I won't forget who it was. Then I just won't respond to any of your questions. I just when I'm doing an interview, I just won't let you get a question off. That's just that. You know, and, and so I'm, I, I'm 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 super petty. I, <laughs> I read the, I read the articles and all of that stuff. So if something if something is said about me that either misconstrued what I said or is about me in a negative light, then that's that's cool, fine. You're allowed to write your allowed to write and be who you wanna be and, you know, try to boost your career however you see fit, but at the same time understand that you won't get a peep out of me or you won't I won't be a part of your storyline. You won't get no no quotes from me directly. Well and I think in, in, you know, you've you've taken an approach that I've seen other people take you know i and i've i've said it before you know scott schaefer used to do it at syracuse where if he was not fond of how you treat him or people you would ask him a question and he would either say next question or he would give a very short answer and then i could ask him the same question he talked for three minutes and but he kind of lets you know like if you if i'm not fond of you i'm not going to yell at you i'm not going to swear at you i'm not going to call you names I'm just going to move on to the next question. I don't think it's being petty. I'm just going to annoy you. (laughs) Right. And and Terrence, I don't think it's being petty. I know you said petty. I don't think it's being petty at all. Fool me once, fool me twice. Why keep giving quotes to people that are going to misquote you? Exactly. So when you see, you know, today's media, if you want to call it that, and, and I think it's funny because people have kind of messed with me and said, you're not a journalist. We're going to teach you journalism 101. I said, I care about the players, the coaches, the administration, 
their loved ones, and I constructively criticize, but never seek to disrespect. I know that that's, and I believe in God, so I know all those things are like anti-media, but I've never been the type of person to say, get the story at all costs. I don't care what you have to do to Terrence, get him to say he hates Jim Beheim so he can run it. How do you look at the media in today's world? Because they haven't gotten, not all of them, there are good ones out there, and I love those people to pieces, the, the three of them that are out there. But to the majority of the media, it's about the story, it's about the sensationalization, it's about the clicks, it's about the money. How do you look at the media today when they have been misquoting, misrepresenting, disrespecting, and bullying people forever, and then you hear them boo-hoo today in today's society and say that they're triggered, they feel hurt, and you know all this like canceling of this coach hurt my feelings, so he should get fired. How do you look at today's media knowing as a player exactly who some people are and then seeing them all these years later trying to get somebody fired? Yeah, it's just, like I said, it's 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 all a part of the process, man. You're gonna you're gonna go through that. You're gonna have the people you like. You're gonna have the people you dislike. You just have to be the better person somehow, some way. But also make them make them understand that you know who they are, just like they think they know who you are. You treat you treat people how you want to be treated. That's all. That, in, in my opinion, that's all that really matters. Treat people how you want to be treated. And everybody else, you just let them fall by the wayside. Yeah, I say, I say it all the time. I'm like, I don't, I don't need to help that that person dig their ditch. They got the shovel, and they're doing a great job. So exactly. So Terrence, what did you learn? If there, if there's, if you could talk to the the student athletes and the coaches right now, and and they're sitting here and they're listening to you, coach of any age, student athlete, whatever you know time of their their career or you know professional athlete if you could give any piece of advice having played collegiately professionally what is your advice to those people out there that are chasing their dreams and finding it difficult to have their story told correctly well just you know you you got to constantly focus on you night in and night out and you know you're forever evolving, so your story will forever change. You just have to go. You just have to know when the transitions are coming and be able to adjust to them. You know, it, most of the people in basketball who decide, you know, I want to be a professional, I want to do this, whether it be overseas or I want to play high level college basketball, they don't really understand. They don't really understand that it, it it's. It, it's always going to change. It's never going to be the same the entire way. It's never going to go the way you plan. So you just, you continue to work, you continue to build, you continue to grow with the times, you continue to grow with the coaching, you continue to grow with the style of basketball that's being played because that's also, that's also a thing, being able to make transitions. The more you work, the more you study the game, the better off you'll be. And that includes the media. Yeah, you know, and that's and and I appreciate that because knowing the game, watching the game, studying the game, you know, that's something that I think is such a beautiful part and a beautiful element of it. And Jim and I talk a lot, you know, in these press conferences and we've talked, you know, just him and I in his office or, you know, golf course, whatever. I love having the opportunity to speak with Jim Bayheim and pick his brain about things 
to kind of learn and see where he is. I don't always agree with him. I don't think that today's basketball is a, is a basketball where you can run one defense and not shift and not do different things. I, you know, if I was sitting there on the coaching staff, I'd be like, hey, let's try this, let's do this. So there's things I don't agree with, but I respect him for who he is and the, the amount of time that, you know, he's put into the work. But I love being a student of the game. Having played the game and now watching the game, what have you kind of learned? Like, as you continue to be a student of the game, but now you're watching it, not playing it, is there something that you've picked up on that you've seen that you're like, wow, you know, I learned something new or I took something away or today's basketball, I agree with this and I disagree with that. Like, where's Terrence Roberts in your evolution? Like you said, your story's always changing. Where are you when it comes to watching basketball today? I think just understanding that, you know, you have to be able to change with the game. You just have to. Like, initially, when I was watching him playing basketball, it was like, you know, you had post players, you had this. Now the game's all about, it's all guard play, really, you know. It's good to have a big in there to rebound or that can play uh, both ends of the floor. But at the end of the day, if you can't shoot the ball, you're not going to be as successful as most teams nowadays. you got to be able to stretch the floor at a high clip nowadays. So, you know, that that brand of basketball was fine back then, but it also went inside. Like nowadays, now basketball is like you can care less if it can go in the post. Most of the people that end up in the post are guards now anyway. So, you know, just being able to make the transition and understand – understand how this level of basketball plays is going to be different than that level of basketball. The NBA is going to be different than college. College is going to be different than high-level high school. High-level high school is going to be different than, than low-level high school. So just just understand how it's being taught, understand what's being thrown at you, and being able to grow with the sport is is essential in being in, in being successful at a high level. Yeah, you know, I love that because you do have to evolve with it. The game is different from when I played it for sure. You know, when I was playing the game and we threw the ball into the big man, that big man was like a 45 to 50% free throw shooter, and he knew how to play inside. But right, He knew how to play in the paint and pretty much there. That's where he was. That's where he lived. He lived on the block. That's that's what he was about. He didn't come out to the three-point line. He didn't dribble. There was none of that stuff. You pass him the ball, he turned around, he shot it, passed it out. So the evolution or the regression of the big man in today's sport, I have to tell you, Terrence, and you played inside a lot and wreaked havoc in there. You were physical back when you could. Remember that time when in basketball you could be physical? Do you remember that? It was like 115 years ago, but do you remember And back when you could, like, put a body on somebody and they weren't like, "Uh uh-oh, that's a flagrant one. So, I mean, when you look back on the game, I miss the big man. I miss the inside physicality, fighting for positioning, frustration of trying to get in there and, you know, box out, get something something to happen. I mean, I miss the big man. And Jesse Edwards, I think, at Syracuse, best big man they've had in a decade, his hands are good. He could dribble the ball. He could spin. He could do some really good things with it. He's he can get his double doubles. He has he's he's very agile. I'm a big fan of Jesse. I've been a big fan of Jesse. And at the same time, I'll talk to Jesse and pull him aside and be like, dude, like 
you're going to foul out of every game trying to block shots. And there's some fouls that he has where you're like, all right, man, one or two, that was your bad, whatever. But there's other times where he's just trying to be physical. He's trying to play the game. He's trying to block the shot. He's trying to disrupt you when you come into his territory. And today's game is not set up for a big man to succeed when they want to block shots, when they want to be physical, and when they want to obstruct you. So what would you say to the big man today? Because I feel like kids are being deprived of growing up and seeing physicality inside. Yeah, so I mean, in my opinion, you know, watching today's basketball, especially watching it with uh, with Syracuse, it's just, in all honesty, it's the way the guards play. So be the, be there for help, but just don't don't be out of position to the point where you know you're picking up fouls or you're leaving the floor. Don't leave the floor. If they score over the top of you as you're standing straight up, then they score over top of you. Don't try to block it because at the end of the day, he's getting all of these fouls because the guards are letting people in the lane. Yeah. yeah. If you think of it, 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 it's always been that with Syracuse. So your bigs get in foul trouble because the guards aren't doing their job. So you, you 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 ease back a little bit on how you get those fouls, and then now the guards are being shown for how poor defense they're playing and not how, how over-physical you're being because you're trying to block every shot. You're only trying to block every shot because your guy, your guy is being either left alone or your guy is getting beat to the rim, and now you have to come over and help. You see what I'm saying? So yeah. it, this is what they do in the NBA. It's like... If your assignment gets to the bucket, that's your assignment. Do a better job of keeping him out the lane. Yeah, I love that, and I and that makes a lot of sense. You know, I, I love that you say, "Okay, hey, you know what? If you let him get by you to come to me, I'm not fouling out of the game because you made a mistake. Do better." And you know, and I can I can appreciate that because so much of it goes on the big man. But how many times you see in the two three zone? It's I mean. And I put it to you like this. Jesse has blocked shots in the corner in this zone. But Jesse, as the middle guy in that three on the baseline, he should never have to go out to the wing. He should never have to go out there. He should never have to go out to the wing. He should never have to go out to the corner. That's not his job. If he's going out there, the forward missed something. And so it's like, yeah, he's blocking the shot. People are losing their mind. Oh, went into the stands, 10 rows, great. But at the same time, if Jesse's coming all the way out there, he's not guarding the rim, which is where he's supposed to be. So exactly. I, somebody I, missed an assignment. Right. So I love your point of saying, hey, Jesse, next time, don't foul out of the game. If they let somebody go by, let it happen a couple of times and then look at him and be like, dude, if you, <laughs> I'm not going to foul out of this game because you're not picking up the guy. I do like that. I appreciate that. That, that, just, that just is what it is. Like You, you can't expect the best player – if he was the best player on the team, he wouldn't be going for all of these. If he was the leading scorer on the team, he wouldn't be going for all of these block shots. Sometimes you got to be a little bit more selfish to, to, to make a point. And me personally, when that happened in, in our games, I, I'll just call you out. And I'll let him know, like, bro, I'm not get, like I'm in foul trouble because I keep letting people get to the basket. Yeah. That, no, I mean, that's, and, and that's it. No, and I, and I feel that. I definitely do. Yeah, coming and from it's team. A lot, it's a lot easier to cut off the baseline than it, is, than it is to cut off the middle. So just stop going for fake's baseline and let them get middle. And it'll be a lot easier to not pick up fouls. <laughs> yeah, 
No, and I and I definitely, you know, there's been, you know, when there are those missed assignments, you could see those pieces and you can't fault. I mean, Jesse's trying to be agile, get to everywhere. And, you know, with all due respect, like you said, if somebody's not doing their job and you're trying to pick up on their job and then the fans are like, oh, man, Terrence missed that, Jesse missed that. It's like, dude, I'm not even supposed to be there. You know, like I'm trying to cover this. And I did that before when we would play zone and different things. I When I was playing in high school, I would I would pick somebody up and then like I would be on my man, then try to help out somebody else and go back to the guy. And they're like, Dan, why'd you let that guy? Get? I was like, what do you mean why'd I let that guy get? I can't guard three people. Like you know, I mean, I can do. I'm guarding a space and I'm shifting, but because you're not shifting, and I tell people this all the time, it's crazy. They used to laugh at me in high school. Some of the some of my teammates when we were playing zone and we were practicing two three zone. I'm at the top of the key. I'm a little guy. I'm a guard. So I'm at the top. I said, put your hands up, put your hands aside, put your hands up, put your hands aside. I'm yelling to my guys, put your hands up, put your hands up. They're like, shut up, Dan. That's enough. I said, if you're in the zone and you don't put your hands up and put your hands to the side, it you might as well just put your hands behind your back and tie them there because you're leaving up giant gaps. The zone is going to, by definition, leave gaps of space. You block those gaps by being up in their face with your hands up and putting your hand in the passing lane. If you stand there with your hands down because you want to be cool and you don't want to look weird, then this zone is going to be exposed a million times. And, yeah. Sy- and Syracuse's zone is the same way. What did you say? I said it's an easy zone to beat at that point. Yeah, because I mean it's like you're guarding space, so you got to make yourself bigger. I try to make. I'm five foot eight. I put my arms out and try to run around the place, be seven foot. If I'm standing there at five foot eight, you could just shoot over me. So right. you know, it's it's just to me, it's like it's it's easy fixes that these guys can do, which leads me into the ingredients to success, proudly presented by the great people at Avicoli's, seventy eight thirty nine. Oswego Road in Liverpool, New York. It is on the corner of Route 57 and Wetzel Road, right down the road from Liverpool High School. And we do our Liverpool Warriors broadcast there monthly. Shout out to the girls and boys bowling teams as we were with them recently here. And we were with Ryan Blackwell, Syracuse Orange alum, before that with his boys basketball team at Liverpool. Terrence, I want to give you a topic today, and I'd love for you to give me the ingredients to success so I can pick anything in the world, and you have to give me ingredients that you think will help that topic be successful. Are you ready for this? Okay. <laughs> All right. So, so we talked a lot about sports. So I'm going to throw you one here. I'm a single man. I'm 37 years old. Dating, mm. to me, is like being in Vietnam, remembering that there were landmines left from the war. That's how dating is. So, Terrence, my good friend Roberts, I would love for you to tell me, from your point of view, ingredients to success, dating in America in 2023. Confidence. All right. The more confidence you have, the easier it is to date. Okay. You got to be confident in yourself. You got to be confident in your ability. You got to be confident in who you are. Can't be confident if you're not confident in yourself. How are you going to be confident to have a woman around you constantly? I appreciate that. I respect that. You have any other ingredients besides that one? I think confidence is key for me. That's okay. what I. That's what I would tell tell somebody. Just be be confident in what you say. Be confident in what you do. Things should go in your favor. I love that advice. I would add another ingredient: is that 
I would go back to my past self and I would very gently, very kindly say to myself, did you just see what happened? Run! Because <laughs> that's, that's what I would have said. <laughs> you know? I would be, Terrence, be on that bike, cycling. I'd be like, Terrence, come out the alley. If you hear me go, hoo-doo-hoo, you come out the alley, I'm going to jump on the bike. We're going. I'm just going to jump on your back. I need you to, I, we need to sea biscuit this thing and just ride to, to daylight. Because, you know, I love the confidence part. I agree with it wholeheartedly. You also got to be around somebody that can have a sense of humor because I was, you know, you know, in this dating world, I was talking to a girl recently and, and I was just like, kind of my sense of humor comes out in the moment and ad lib. I don't know what I'm going to talk about. It just happens. And she was laughing, having a good time. And then she's like, I don't really know how I feel about like the subjects and where you went with the conversation. And I was like, I'm just having fun. Like be lighthearted. Life is not that complicated, you know? She's like, well, you know, you made jokes about ex-girlfriends. And I'm like, that's why you have ex-girlfriends, you know? Like, so if I, if I go through the hell, I got to be able to joke about it or else why did I go through it, you know? Everybody wants to tell their war stories. So, you know, I, I just, I think confidence, I think run. And I think, and I think, you know, a sense of humor is important too. Absolutely. So, the ingredients to success, dating in 2023, courtesy of Syracuse Orange, a professional basketball alum, Terrence Roberts. Terrence, as always, I appreciate having you on the show, man. I love that we got to connect. Yeah, man, I, I love that we get to connect. I love that you get up early for me on the West Coast. I appreciate that very much, so. And, you know, I always look forward to talking with you. So hopefully we get to uh, see each other soon, but I'm always, always uh, a fan of just catching up and, and getting to hear how life's going. So I hope you and your loved ones are well, and uh, and I appreciate you more than I can say. I uh, appreciate you too, man. Have a good one. All right, take care of yourself. Remember, remember, run! <laughs> I'll talk to you soon. Later. Take care.